Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. Welcome, everybody. Today, uh, we've got a, sort of a rainy, dreary day. This is like the perfect day to play board games outside it, right it now. And we did. We, we have did. been. It was all great. Day. Yeah. Just felt even better than normally does. There's just there's no excuse to even try to get outside. It's drizzly and kind of cold, so it's perfect weather for gaming. Yes. And uh, it's gaming inside. Yes, not, that's not true. for gaming that's outside. True. That's true. Yeah. True. Claire, better clarify that point so people don't try to hurt themselves uh, by <laughs> or ruin their games. <laughs> I took your advice and I went outside to play games in the snow. And I slipped and fell. You guys owe me a copy of Sushi Go. <laughs> Um, uh, this is the most angry Sushi Go player too uh, right. It's weird that they would be that angry over that game uh, Anyway, yes, we have a lot to talk about Speaking of plays, I myself missed Game Night But Bill was kind enough to bring all the games that they played And we basically recreated Game Night uh, <laughs> Just the two of us And I'm glad we did Because the games that uh, they played and we just played Were great So great. I can't wait to talk about them So let's jump right in Which one should we tackle first? Uh, the first one I'm going to tackle is actually The Surprise of the Evening and it's a game by WizKids. It's a small game. It's just uh, like 53 cards. Um, and it's by uh, designed by Bruce Glasgow. And it has the most generic name. It's called Fantasy Realms. It has the most generic appearance. Uh, it looks awful. It looks like... Um, like you were saying like fan-made Magic: The Gathering cards, yeah, yeah, where it's like it, this wasn't good enough to be in, you know, early <laughs> '90s Magic, so they put it in this game. Um, I imagine the art to this probably costs uh, dozens of dollars, um, maybe even tens of dollars, and um, but it is it was a huge hit a surprise hit we played it on game night we played it four times uh three times in a row and it was uh everyone loved it um in fact three other people were taking pictures of it with their phone they were gonna go out and buy it it was only like i don't know 10 or 15 bucks at cool stuff um i had heard about it from like the dice tower review and uh jamie stegmeyer really enjoys it uh but i'd never been i'd kept looking at it i'm like this looks so bad there's no way this is good um and it's fantastic it it is basically it kind of reminds me of if somebody were to design sushi go for like gamers like harder core gamers like fantasy Hmm. style gamers um it's everyone gets uh it plays it says three to six but it actually plays two to six even the designer on board game geek said on the forums i don't know why they put three to six it plays fine at two <laughs> yeah, uh you and i played it at two worked so fine. <laughs> it was great and um what was the deal with that they were just too expensive to like reprint them yeah they, they did the, it the uh, first time and they included a two-player variant in it so it obviously plays two yeah and uh but he said he tried to get him to change it uh, for the second printing, but for some reason they couldn't. It was like too expensive or something to redo the art files or yeah. something. I don't know. Um, but it seems like a game that's two to six would sell better than a game that's three to yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it plays great at two. Never fear. Don't trust the box. Yeah, we didn't even use the variant for two players. We just played it straight as two, and I it was didn't great. know the difference, and I thought it was really fun. And I played it with five four times on game night and it played exactly the same with two. It was still great. Loved it. Um, so everybody gets seven cards and there's a draw pile in the middle. 
So you look at your cards, you on your turn, all you do is you draw and you discard face up into a discard pile. Um, and then the next person can either draw from the deck or the face up discard pile. And the idea is that all these cards, there's 10 different suits, um, five named cards for each suit and three, they call them wild cards because uh, they can kind of act as certain other cards. And what you're trying to do is build combos with these cards. Some One of them may be um, a land card that says, you know, plus 15 if plus 15 points if it's paired with a wizard, you know, so a wizard is another suit. So maybe you have a wizard and that wizard card might be worth 10 points, but uh, it's negative five if there's a leader in your hand or which is another suit. So they all kind of combo together in weird and glorious ways. And you can, there's even ones that can do up to a hundred points of, uh, of bonuses. And each card has a base value that kind of is representative of how powerful it is. So like a card that's worth zero or one points might give you a huge bonus. It might be you potentially could get, if you get the right combination and the right cards, you get like a hundred points for it. But a card that maybe just has a bunch of penalties, you know, blanks cards and doesn't do any good might be worth 40 points uh, on its own but it's hard to keep in your hand because it may affect other cards in your hand so much. And this sounds so mathy, um, and, yeah. but it really doesn't feel that way. It just, it's, I, I really, really, really liked it. And so did everyone else. What did you think? I liked it a lot too. It, um, it definitely felt like a kind of a similar feel ish to Ascension, I guess, but actually, but, what it felt the most to me like is kind of ethnos as card management, card management and interactivity. Okay. There is a, some that just sort of felt a little ethnosy in the best way um, of managing these cards that are come up and building your army or whatever, whatever, however it's described in the game. But it does look better than Ascension. Oh, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Ascension. Like, yeah, just so the art is like amateurish. It's not horrible. It's not Ascension level, original so Ascension generic. level bad. It's just very generic. And uh, they could have probably done a little bit more pass on it, but it's fine for what it is, and it doesn't get in the way of uh, the game. Um, it's just very, it's well. There's another comparison to Ethnos. It's just very what it is. Yeah, <laughs> kind of muted and um, not very flashy. It's like Ethnos, the card game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of feels <laughs> still like still ugly in a way, and in a still way. fun. <laughs> you exactly. It's our tagline. <laughs> I don't know why this isn't selling better. <laughs> as fun as it is, ugly. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. That checks out. Yep. Okay. I'll buy this. Um, No, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really fun. I I always enjoy games that, you know, you can um, play quickly with just a couple players and then add more players to it. And this one was really, really fun to play. I, I, uh, we only played one game of it. So we really touched the surface, barely touched the surface, or I did. And so I'd really like to try it again just to see what other options are out there. That's kind of the best you can have of a game is you play it once and you just want to really explore it more and i'd really want to try this again to see what else what other combinations are there what other yeah attacks are there to follow down and um so yeah i enjoyed it a lot when there are a ton of of different ways you can go here because uh because it every card just plays so differently the um i this the that was the fifth time i played it and i did something different than i'd done the previous four times i i've never like gone after the same combos or tried to win in the same way because it's so dependent on what you get in that initial hand. You're just trying to improve it. You're not looking for specific things. And so there's so many cool ways you can go based on 
that that initial draw and kind of what other people are discarding and uh, you can control how fast it ends because uh, the game ends when there's uh, 10 face up discard cards um, and you can influence that by uh, if you want to keep the game going you just take from the discard pile and then replace it into the discard pile and it never grows or if you want it to go because you're like oh I got the I got a great hand I want to end this you can draw from the the face down draw pile and that adds another one so it uh it, it you do have agency in how quickly it goes uh, and you can extend it out and it's just i it is such a great game and i really it hurts my heart that it doesn't look better uh because i feel like this could have been a gigantic hit and, and and it is popular don't get me wrong like it's it's pretty popular still but um I just feel like it could have been so much more and I would have gotten in on it if it were better looking. I'd have gotten in on it a year or two ago, <laughs> you know? So, um, and that is, uh, that's Fantasy Realms by WizKids. Yes. So yeah, check that one out for sure. And is it, uh, where did you get this one? Is that a Kickstarter? That wasn't a Kickstarter. No, this repent, I got right? it on Cool Stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, Inc. it was on sale. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you can definitely find this one for inexpensive and yeah, you can find uh, it on Amazon, ten or fifteen bucks. Yeah. Uh, any any of the online game stores. So. Worth a look for sure. Yes, worth every penny. Uh, another game that we play that's also worth a look is a uh, Dice Hospital. Um, yes. This one is was great. It was a very fun engine builder. Um, I think you made a comment that it'd be also a good like a kind of intro to more serious games while still being really satisfying for serious gamers. Yeah, it, it would make a good a good gateway. Uh, I really feel like it would. It's not. There's nothing in it that's overly complicated or difficult to understand. But there's a lot of great tactical choices. To it. Do you want to explain it a little bit? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so basically, you are an administrator handling the intake and treatment of patients in a hospital. And so ambulances come in and they have, it's all done with dice. Uh, ambulances come in and they are arranged in a certain ascending order of dice. And uh, you choose them uh, based on a variety of things. Basically, you have a choice of an ambulance and you pull those patients in. There's always three per ambulance. So you pull those patients into your hospital and they're going to be of, of one of, Three different colors, right? Yes. Three, one of the three yeah. different colors. And Red, green, and yellow. And so the colors don't really mean anything except that you're going to be trying to treat similar colors together. You're going to, you're going to be able to typically chain um, similar colors together. You're going to have specialists that you're also going to recruit as the game progresses and new rooms that you're going to open up in the hospital to be able to treat more patients more broadly or to chain different types of treatments through the collection of patients that you have. So what you're trying to do is slowly heal these patients so they can be um, uh, checked out of the hospital or discharged, yeah. Yep. And the way you do that is each, however the die, dice come in, whatever value face value they have, that is their condition level. Um, almost healed is six, and then on death's door is one. If they lose one more uh, health or are neglected once more at one, they'll die. If they are healed once more at six, they will be discharged and then will get you points. So it's this really fun balancing act of um, the very bare-bones staff that you have at the beginning of the game and building up, do I want a room which allows me to do more powerful treatments at once 
but with the same amount of staff? Or do I want to recruit specialists into my hospital to uh, bring their own abilities, but maybe they don't have enough rooms to work in? So it's this cool back and forth of gathering both. You'll need to collect both throughout the game. And uh, yeah, it's this was another fun one. I was I think I was talking about before we started recording that. I think my my new favorite game style is administrative work because this <laughs> and overbooked were some of my favorite games recently. And they're just jobs. <laughs> they're just jobs. It's just a job, and uh, <laughs> but it's pretty. It's really fun, and I I think this is the art design in this is really good. It's it's a little silly, but it also is very clear and um, direct on what everything does. The iconography is really great. The color palette is really vibrant and engaging. And um, yeah, it's just like, I think you're spot on about this is, this isn't could be a game you could easily help to intro people to this type of game, but um, a more complex gaming experience. Uh-huh. So yeah, what was game, board game like? How did board, it go over at board game group? Uh, it went over great. We played it uh, with, uh, with four and uh, everybody really, really liked it. Uh, I played with uh, Aaron, me, uh, Kevin, and uh, Kirsten. A- everyone really liked it. I won, obviously, because <laughs> uh, Bill wins. Um, but Aaron, Aaron, uh, the the way you were talking about how it kind of uh, walks the line there between you know staff and rooms. Yeah, uh, I went heavy on staff and ran out of rooms, right. so I had extra staff in the beginning. Um, and then Aaron went heavy on rooms, didn't have enough staff to properly really do anything with them. So, uh, we both kind of, at least in different times in the game, sort of saw where that line was. You're like, okay, I get it. You really can't go too heavy in one particular direction because you need the rooms because they, they heal so well, but you need the doctors to use the rooms and the doctors have cool powers, but they don't heal as well as a great room does right um but a room does you no good without anyone to staff it so it's it is a really interesting line there um and yeah i'm with you i think the the next game we should get is like um cable guy dispatch (laughs) dice game or something like that where we can just like yeah send people around I, i don't know um Meter reader, the game, uh, the card <laughs> well, meter game. reader scheduler, the right. game. Meter yeah. reader scheduler, the card game. <laughs> the pass. Working out shifts. And <laughs> Who's on vacation next week? No. Bob can only work Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The late shift. <laughs> but Mary wants the day off. Yeah, what? I could see this being literally the worst game. <laughs> uh, but no, that's uh, Dice Hospitals by Alley Cat Games, and uh, I it, it went over really well. Um, I would definitely recommend it uh it is it is gateway enough that um i would pull this out for somebody who is not a gamer who maybe doesn't play board games at all and would like a taste of something this goes squarely in the um in that category but we were all i mean all four of us that played are experienced like gamer gamers yeah uh so there isn't any of us that are new to the hobby or or you know, can't play mid heavyweight Euro games and we still all enjoyed it. So, um, it has a really interesting, uh, when you do all of the healing and stuff, it's all simultaneous. So you're not sitting there watching other people sit there and and heal. So it goes by very quickly, uh, especially once you kind of get the hang of the iconography and there's great player aids for it. Um, all in all, I, I was really pleased. Great purchase. Um, 
that and and that was uh, Dice Hospital. Yeah, one more thing about it. I uh, it's it's another one that kind of kind of like overbooked. It's it's a little abstract, but it also really does feel like there's that pressure of a hospital setting where because you only have so many intake beds. And so in every round, you're going to get three new patients coming in on an ambulance. And so you have to really be uh, discharging people to make room. Otherwise, you will not be able to keep them alive and they will die. And when your dice die, you get a body bag and it goes into your morgue. Like you're sitting there staring at this poor person the entire game (laughs) that you totally just killed because you neglected him. have you forsaken me <laughs> yeah so it's haunted it's, by your it, mistakes it, it's it's way lighter and and uh goofier than we're making it sound because now we're making it sound like like an episode of you know er or something but it's uh it's much lighter than that it's it's cartoony um but but it does it does have that sense of There's more so it, than sure. like oh the i'm bills. losing a die it's you actually kind of feel like you're responsible for these these dice and they're yeah. they're well-being um and it, it's cute uh, the art's great it's uh i it's exactly what i would want in like a dice ho- if you were to say hey i have a game called dice hospital this is literally what i would pick <laughs> yeah so. oh yeah yeah i think they did it perfect if you want a hospital emulator or at least a, a very good but not overly complicated one this is this is it so j- oh, check great. it out um what is it called alley cat games that's the alley cat games alley cat games yeah yep. so yep check it out definitely worth a look Yes. Um, and then look for our administrative series coming up next year. <laughs> of very cool. <laughs> I don't know. Send us whatever your job is that you do, and we'll make a game out of it. Bookkeeper saga. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I bet that would be insane. Can you imagine organizing book <laughs> library organizer? Yeah. You have to organize books on a shelf correctly after each day when they've Dewey all been Desk messed up. Ball, the dice game. <laughs> <laughs> I could do this all day. That's, uh, that could be the new. That's the future of games. <laughs> games that you apply to the real world setting. So you actually go to a library and you play this game and have to interact with the library books and reorganize them correctly. At I don't know a certain amount of time. It's free labor. Know. Yeah. It could yeah. Be, it could be sponsored by libraries. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you could just trick people into doing work. Yeah. What was oh, was that Nathan for you episode where he tricked people into moving houses by uh, creating a new exercise um, yeah, uh, yeah. hype thing, <laughs> and then they ended up just moving people's houses, and they're like, "This is a really good workout," and they're right, but they but, were working for yeah, free. It totally worked. Actually, free. I think they were even paying for it. Anyway, uh, let's get to the well, game I, I at hand. Have, I have oh, one sorry, more go game. Ahead, yeah. Um, and if uh, if you go to our Instagram, you if you follow us on Instagram, you've probably already seen. Uh, I played. Dinosaur Island solo. Side game time. And it it was so much fun. <laughs> uh, it has a great AI. Uh, for anyone unfamiliar with Dinosaur Island, it is a, a very, very large game. Uh, it is mid to heavier weight, um, Euro-esque without feeling like a Euro. So um, it's basically Jurassic Park the game. Uh, you're building a dinosaur theme park, you're building rides, you're breeding dinosaurs, you're getting DNA, and you're, you're, uh, you have these dinosaur recipes that you can buy, and you hire staff, um, and then you pick people out of the bag, and they, you earn money for them, and, and experience points for them enjoying themselves, and they can, they, it is, uh, it is really, really cool, uh, a lot of resource management, uh, a lot of, um, just general management all over the place. There's so many things you have to pay attention to. Uh, if you're, if the threat level ever gets higher than your security level, 
then uh, dinosaurs break out and they eat people. So, and then you lose points for everybody that uh, got eaten. I guess it's the equivalent of like getting sued or whatever by their families. Um, but it's <laughs> sort of sad. Uh, so you have to keep it. You have to constantly keep an eye on on security. You have to uh, keep that up. But anytime you make a dinosaur, uh, depending on whether it's like a, a, an herbivore or a carnivore, uh, it raises the threat level. And uh, the threat level also uh, with these DNA dice. So there's there's also dice that you're drafting. Uh, there's there's so so much going on in this game. Uh, it took me about an hour and forty five minutes, maybe closer to two hours, uh, to fully play through um, the solo mode. And the solo mode's great, uh, but it, uh, it it that was with looking through the directions a lot and everything. I could probably do it in an hour, hour and fifteen. Um, if you're playing with all four players, and I think there's a five player expansion, but I don't have it. If you're playing with all four players, I think you're looking at probably two to three hours, I'd say. Oh, okay. Um, I'd say if you're familiar with it, it's a solid two hour game. Uh, but it's big, it's big and heavy. It has a great table presence. It has these dinosaur, um, meeples, um, it's a little pricey. I think it's like 60 bucks or something like that, but it's, uh, it's it, it well worth it. I was uh, I, I was afraid I was not gonna get it to the table, but then when I saw it had a solo mode, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna get this. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's uh, even if I only ever play it solo, totally worth it. But I'm really excited to see uh, if I can find a place with a table big enough uh, to to do a four player game because it takes up a lot of table space. <clears throat> Nice. I'm excited to try it. I've heard a lot of it's great things Pandasaurus about this game. Games. Yeah, Pandasaurus. I love Pandasaurus. They're such, they make such silly and crazy games. <laughs> great games. Um, like Dead Man's Cabal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't wait to check it out. I uh, Yeah, and this also game has the, the the color scheme. They just shot for the moon with the color scheme of this game. <laughs> They're just like... <laughs> they did. It's very, it's very have, like 80s hippie. Yeah, it's like psychedelic almost in yeah. like neons but uh but that's cool like I a mean, beatles album druggy beatles album yeah i'm yeah. glad they did that though instead of trying to go for like a realistic dinosaur sim it's just like it's like we've all done this before we know dinosaur yeah. parks are a bad idea but maybe you can make it work <laughs> right <laughs> so and, and so much of it like is is like blatant Jurassic Park rap. Right. Oh yeah. I'm without sure. the IP. So this doesn't yeah. have the Jurassic Park IP. It's just Dinosaur Island. But like they have the the guy, the old gray beard guy, <laughs> it, and he's on there and they have the uh like the DNA guy that uh that they have in the the video, the educational video in the movie. Oh yeah. He a real uh real good copy of him is is in the game in the instruction booklet and so it's it it is Jurassic Park, but they just didn't pay for the the IP. So um, so if you like Jurassic Park and you like dinosaurs and you like building dinosaur theme parks and you're a mid to heavyweight Euro game player, you will love this game. I don't know why you don't even have it. In fact, you probably do. <laughs> it's on the way if it's not in yeah. your hands at the moment. So All right. that's uh, that that was that's everything that I've played in. The Do last they name week. the dinosaurs? Are they actual real dinosaur names? Or oh yeah, are they... real, real dinosaur yeah. names. Yeah, okay. uh, they're all unique too. Like each recipe, because uh, there's only a limited number of of uh, each type. There's herbivores, small carnivores, and large carnivores, and they're all unique. Oh, okay, cool. So, so if I can build T Rexes, no one else can. Oh, that's really cool. Because it's my recipe, and they cost varying degrees of DNA. So there's like uh, three regular dna basic dna and then there's three advanced dna 
Um, and then you, there's some of the actions that you use, like worker placement actions you use uh, during one of the phases of the game. You can use to convert like basic to advanced DNA, and um, and then the the different uh, the the heavier duty the um, the dinosaur is. Uh, the more complex the oh sure uh, the cost is for it. So there's a lot of resource management um, going on there. There's uh, it's it's definitely heavy worker placement, um, and it's got the whole spatial thing because you have to if you buy stuff it has to fit on your park board, you know. So you you may have to they I I imagine given the way the board's laid out if you don't lay your dinosaurs out right because they take up two spots. Uh, if you don't take the those pins out right, then you won't be able to organize enough. Kind of like Baron Park, you know. Yeah. You need to. Uh, th- there's that spatial puzzle element there, so it's uh, it's really neat. It's just I could talk about this literally for the <laughs> entire podcast because there's so much going on. Um, but it's it's well worth a look if uh, if you are not afraid of big heavy games. Nice. All right. Cool. Can't wait to get into it. For real. Uh, okay, let's get to the crux of our episode today. So today oh, yeah. we are initiating our segment. Did we actually name it? Is it just uh, this game or blank game sucks? Convince me or tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Change my Change mind. Change my mind. There we go. Change my <laughs> mind. We're going to call it Change My Mind. Uh, yes. So anyway, like to- we... Today. <laughs> today. Today we uh, started off. So Bill and I each have a game that we really liked that we tried to introduce to each other at game night. And we're just sort of surprised that the other person just, it fell drastically flat. Like it was like, not even like, oh, that's okay. It was like, I hate this. Yeah. This game sucks. <laughs> Changed my mind. This game is terrible. I don't want to play this game again. Ever. And uh, so we decided to give these games another look with fresh eyes. We're going to each take one of the, the we're going to take the one game that we like that the other person doesn't, and we're going to set up a play to our criteria. So we're going to have the best play scenario, player count, um, game night or out of game night, and to introduce it in the best possible way to someone. And the other person's going to try to come in with an open mind and say, okay, I'll come with fresh eyes here and play this and try to uh, try to enjoy myself. And you can convince me why this is a good game. Or at least not a terrible game. Yes, yes. And today it was Ragusa. Okay. So as you may recall... <clears throat> yeah, give us some backstory on your a, thoughts about Ragusa. Yes. And how it went so down. as you can recall, in a, in a previous episode, um, I bought this game, showed up to game night, super gunned up. <laughs> I had spent the day playing it solo. I played it not only solo, but I played it three player with me playing each player. So I, I had a feel for the multiplayer game and the solo game. I, I really thought, okay, these choices are awesome. It's a little dry because it is it is definitively a Euro game. Um, probably probably a mid-ish weight. I wouldn't call it heavy. I wouldn't call it super light. Um, but a, a mid-weight Euro. And it was good looking. The components were really neat. And, uh, and it just, I felt like the decision tree was, was really cool. There's so many different ways you can go and, and avenues you can go down. And I was so excited to get this to game night. And I think you even texted me before. Yeah, like, is this going to sh- be awesome? I, yeah. And I'm, I'm sending him pictures of the game state. He's like, like, I can't wait. Look cool. I can't yeah. wait. And, and so I'm like, I, I whip it out and, um, the game for Goosa. And, and then I brought the game out and then, <laughs> <laughs> which might've sullied the experience. So Maybe that was, if yeah. I'm thinking about it, it could have been a problem. So I, I pull it out and, um, 
I don't know if that's any better than whipping it yeah. up. So, <laughs> so I, I, I got the game <laughs> to the table. And, With um, my pants on. Oh, I can't oh. stop making it weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and Kaz hated it. I like, really did. Absolutely. I just... He got to the point where at the end, uh, he... He actually had some pieces left over that he hadn't played during his turn, which yeah, we're not even sure how that happened. And he's like, I don't even care. Yeah, I don't even know. This he's means just nothing. like, whatever. Plus and, the last turn is and, useless. And he was, he was really, I've never seen Kaz angry before. Um, but it seemed, it felt like he was angry at this game. Like yeah, the, the reason this game existed just <laughs> baffled him. He was, he was upset that there was even a place in the world for this game. I was, yeah. I felt my whole time towards the as the game got more frustrating for me, I just envisioned these, the, well, it's only one designer, but the designer of this game cackling to himself in a room in Europe about how clever and annoying it will be to American gamers, his ridiculously finicky and intricate rule systems. Uh, that's how it felt at the time. And so, yeah, that's where I was at. I was really trying hard not to be a downer, but I just got so frustrated. It felt like at every turn I was being stymied. Like I would do something and I couldn't quite do what I wanted to do, or there was some caveat to do what I wanted to do. And uh, this game only taken, uh, is it 10 rounds in uh, yep. four-player? Yes. So this, this is a very short game for decisions to be made. Like you have one, you're placing a, and think of Catan where you're putting a house down, but uh, you can do one of those at a turn, and that fires off some actions. And so you do 10 turns of that in a game. And uh, anyway, so that's just kind of the structure of the game. But continue. How did it yes. progress? So um, it, it was really evenly split in that Kaz really did not like it. Aaron did not like it. But Jeff and I both liked it. Um, so it was it, it was very divisive. Um, I was a, I was really kind of downtrodden because I'm like, <laughs> I what did I what did I do wrong? It, is it? Is it me? Because I always, uh, my thought on everything, as everyone always knows, is it's you. It's right. not the game. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but uh, but in this this particular instance, I was like, well, did did I teach it wrong? Did I, oh, what was it? And so uh, we decided, well, Kaz decided uh, that he would give it another shot. And uh, I never in a million years thought that he would agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when he he said it on air, like you were, I was as surprised as all of you were. Um, I say on air, but uh, is that what we are? We're on air right now. Technically, this is over some That's, sort of airwaves. I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, so it, when he said, that, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's willing to try this again. I can't mess this up. <laughs> so so we lit some candles. Yes, and some incense. So uh, we we played it today. I brought it over today. It was the first game that we played, and we played it two-player now the two-player rules do modify uh the game a little bit in that they uh they give these extra two houses that don't really belong to anybody but each player gets an extra two like neutral houses that allow them to make like these big power moves they're called power houses they're not in the regular game um but i think they're in the two-player game so that it there's still interaction because I think without these, we could just be on opposite sides of the board and really not mess with each other or have any uh, huge turns. But these these powerhouses let you activate everything in these hexes, uh, even if it's not your house and the other person doesn't trigger their their abilities. So it's kind of a way to get uh, a huge turn, but not help the other player. And sort of the crux of this game is um, when you activate a hex that other players have 
houses on, they get that same triggered effect. So it's like it, like building on a worker placement board and you place a worker on there, you trigger the action for you, but it triggers for everybody else who's built on it. So it, it's this, this really interesting dynamic of I need to do that, but do I need to do it more than it will help these other people? Uh, so you really, I, that's and that's the design decision that I really felt like was so over-the-top cool that I couldn't fathom how you <laughs> wouldn't love this, you know, because it's it's such an interesting dynamic. How do I help myself without helping others? And by not helping them a little bit, am I hurting myself a lot, you know? Or And so it's just this constant, you know, what do I do, what do I do? And the game's so simple as far as, like, what you do on a turn. You just place a house. That's all you do. That's your whole turn. You place one house. Done. Mm-hmm. And and but it's all the things that happen when you when you place that house that is so cool, um, and you can see you can see pictures of uh, Ragusa on uh, Instagram. I posted them a few weeks ago, so uh, yeah, you can kind of get an idea of what it what it looks like and everything. But yeah, yeah, and I think um, so. I think a couple things were different with this play clearly. So obviously we, the two player worlds were different a little bit, but also coming into the second play, it was. Um, really interesting. Like we we went over the rules again more uh, at the beginning, just more clearly. Because one of my biggest frustrations was the rule system. And like a lot of euros, like think big euros, like Seffenfeld games, there's a lot of little rules to be clarified that aren't necessarily l- like follow logically in and of themselves. Once you understand what they're going for, you're like, oh, okay, I get that how that makes sense in the game. But there's a, a little bit of illogicalness to uh, to it if you're just coming and trying to figure it out just by looking at it. Right. It's like, oh, I can see how that does. Oh, no, that, that's not exactly how that works. Oh, okay, I understand what they're doing. And so after reading that, I felt I had a much broader and better understanding of the rules um, completely because that's what I kept hitting the wall against is these rules that were, yes, you can, but not exactly. And so once you cl- I clarified a few things, that really helped to, um, I don't know, just clarify everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I I agree. The uh, I'm gonna say it right now, uh, in case I forget. This game, in my opinion, is best at two players. It plays two to five. I can't even fathom it at five. Um, four was chaotic, and I think if we played four again, it would be okay. But I don't think it would be the equivalent of the two player game. Yeah. So we we played this game, and we. We played the entire thing. We went through. There were uh, very, very few rules, questions, or clarifications. I felt like we both, this time around, knew what we were walking into, uh, what to expect, sort of the feel of the game. Um, this has a very small economic system. Uh, its its whole economic footprint is very, very small. So right. yeah. you're, you're doing an action to get two points. Uh, whereas you may be used to another game where you take an action and get 32 points. Right. Um, you're never going to do an action that gets you 32 points in this game. Um, you're going to sell something for three at the most. You know, um, That's kind of how this... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very small economic uh, window. It's, the layout is... is uh, you have to understand that going in. So I can see, especially coming from like a Concordia that does give right. you just like monster things that these, you have these gigantic turns. Um, and Ragus is just a different animal. Yeah. And it's, it's more scaled back. So I think once, once that 
is a little more clear. It kind of feels, I think you can walk into it feeling like, okay, I know what to expect. So that probably helped a lot. Um, so why don't you tell everybody what you thought of the two-player game of Ragusa? I uh, actually really enjoyed it. I thought the um, one of the big things, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second, but I, I really enjoyed it. I think now coming with a more clear sense of the rules, I quite enjoy this at two. And I think that kind of goes to my approach to this game and how I personally see this game. I don't think this is a bad game. But I definitely think that unlike other games like it, Euro games, there is not really that much of a change in in um, uh, game setup for player counts. I mean, there's less, more or less turns at, during the course of the game, but the board doesn't shrink or options don't shrink. And so I felt the claustrophobia that I felt or the intense decision um, sort of like hemming and hawing with the four player game was diminished here because I felt that I had either more time or more space to explore around the board and find a path to victory where I wasn't like, well, I'm not doing that and I have to do that because someone's doing that. There was just more, I felt more options. So for me personally, it almost feels like the map is perfect for two and maybe three. Um, But I really enjoyed it. I also thought that it made me wish that the powerhouse houses were a feature in the larger player counts because those made this game i think those made this game for me to a degree i liked everything better this time but the powerhouses were such a fun option in a somewhat slow moving uh low scoring per round game that it made it feel like whoa okay that was a really awesome move and um because of the fact that it has a, a mechanism of firing off things for other players if you come in late to a game or late to an area, you can slightly offset that by using these powerhouses so you're not just shoving them way down the point track because you need to make wine. <laughs> right. Um, I also tried to do something fun. I, one of the things that you can do, which seems like sort of a, uh, a not a throwaway strategy, but less of the game's focus than anything else is uh, the fish track. There's this, you can go fishing all around the outskirts of Ragusa if you build houses there. And so I just, I had a uh, victory point car that was scoring for fish. And so I decided to just really focus on fish because it kind of sounded funny to just try to fish constantly in this game. And it turned out to be a really good strategy. And uh, apparently you were saying that that's people, other people have yeah. explored that strategy. It's a known strategy. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, going fish heavy because fish are somewhat of a wild card resource source in this game in that you can exchange fish for other things you need like stone or wood or you know grapes or what have you so um even silver so you can um it's it's not only are and and there's also spots on the board uh, like the fish monger market or whatever where every house you have will let you score a point for every two fish so if you have three or four houses on there say you have three houses on there and you've got 10 fish then that's what 15 points right i mean that's that's yeah it's huge especially in a game like this with such a small economy now to get up to 10 fish it it takes a lot of placement and a lot of maneuvering and uh so it's not like something that is op or something that you will always win if you go that route um but it is definitely a viable strategy You, you went about it absolutely the right way um i kind of was going initially several different ways and i think the fact that i didn't really narrow down my strategy till uh i was at least maybe three or four turns in uh maybe more uh till i had a solid i know where i'm going and i think you went after fish from like turn one yeah i knew i wanted to do it right away yeah uh and and you won 
by mm. quite a bit actually. Um, so that's you know uh, that was that was a great strategy <laughs> come to find out. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed two. I thought yeah. two not only had enough interaction because of the powerhouses because the powerhouses don't necess- excuse me necessarily like stick it to another player right but um they can really help you out without helping them and once these houses are down when somebody else places uh in that hex the active player uses the powerhouse as another one of their own houses yeah so it goes so back it, to helping anyone yeah, who places there exactly so so you are helping someone else later down the line perhaps uh but right now you're getting this big huge satisfying turn that you're just like i really accomplished something besides selling one wine for right. two victory points or something like that um so i i really and you got to use them at just the right time and i think that adds a lot to the strategy aspect of it and and i'm with you i almost wanted to try i almost want to try like a four player game but with instead of with 10 houses for each player um, every player gets nine houses and a, um, and power a powerhouse. Yeah. Because then you still have, there's enough spots for four powerhouses sure. on, on the board. Uh, we already know that because in a two-player game, we get two each. So everyone gets the one powerhouse, so they have like the one, bam, Shazam move, you know, where they can turn into Shazam <laughs> and, and just do all the stuff that he does. Um, uh, totally unrelated to this game, actually. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed the two-player here. I enjoyed our play substantially more than I enjoyed uh, our four-player game that I sure. did like, uh, and I liked it a lot. Uh, but I really think this uh, I, this is a two-player game at heart. I really, I feel, re- like I really feel it is. And I, we looked, I looked it up on BoardGameGeek, and the ideal player count, the people of uh, the consensus, is four. I just don't get that. And maybe, uh, once again, the, a lot of times these zero games sort of win or uh, like or hit me really hard and I love them or they fall really flat and um, this one man at four it just fell really flat to me but I think too with the option of the powerhouses to have these really big turns because you mentioned this before basically this is a game of um, slow incremental build of very small point windfalls and so that's fine and that's okay for a game but it, it kind of feels like I you, you it really feels like there's a, a missing big wow turns there's not a lot of yeah. big wow turns in this game it's a lot of okay i did that and that's I'm, i think i'm on track yeah <laughs> i'm feeling good about myself here i mean you, um, can, you can have some wow turns if you can get enough resources to be able to build on like the same uh city spot enough times where you true. place one and you're like i'm sh- i'm firing this off three times or four times for me uh then you can have those but yeah but otherwise yeah i'm with you it, uh but even then it feels like yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's fair, and and there is like, especially if you can have them come out of nowhere too, where someone places on a hex where you have several buildings, then you get kind of this surprise windfall, which is which is really satisfying. But yeah, it just feels sort of um, not mono, mono, uh, monotonous or monotone, but it does feel like even keel throughout. And I just wish there was more ups and downs mm. of this game because at four, the other reason why I don't think I like as much as four, and I can't imagine playing this game at five, it just feels so restrictive of the options. Yes, there are options, but to take a game that is a little bit even keel and then make it even more less possible that you're going to have these 
broad strategies that are going to be get your fingers in all sort of different pies it makes it it makes you just i don't know i'm just not as interested in playing it that but i did really enjoy it with two and those powerhouses man those are so fun to incorporate and use and and sort of it's just a really satisfying thing to throw down and you both have the option though so whatever strategy you're going for you can fire those off within that strategy have enough room on the board to do so and still feel like you have other options to grow should something come up in the marketplace or you get a card that wants you to get some extra points for doing something in the game um, at the end of the game. So I really liked it. I really liked it at two a lot. Good. See, see, I <laughs> I convinced Kaz that Ragusa is a good game. <laughs> at least at two players, for sure two players, better than I probably remembered it for. And I'm really, I'd actually really like to try it at three and so it goes. Uh, pluses for this game though, I really, one thing's I really, there's a couple things that I really did like just generally about Ragusa. I, the, the way the market fluctuates, I thought was really, well done um, in the last playthrough I, I got frustrated because i just i couldn't understand what they wanted me to do with the market because you can only sell when you place on the market hex you can only sell the amount of goods of houses that you have there so if you place one house despite how many barrels of wine you had and i had i think all of them uh possible i can only sell one and that was my misunderstanding on what they were trying to get you to do or the focus of the market uh, probably happened with my experience with Concordia, which is different in the market exchange because that is a trading game. Um, this one, when you buy something, they basically you're buying something to just get an instant reward on victory points. And if you have a um, scoring card for the end of the game, there's certain icons or goods you can look for. And I had one of those, which really helped. But when you buy something, you pay a good to purchase it, um, either wine, oil, or silver, and then that. Uh, item comes to you and the, the an item instantly lowers in value that you've used to purchase something. So if you've bought something with wine, wine is going to go down in the market value. So whenever someone sells wine later on, that's lower, uh, can potentially be lower in value. So it has this really interesting interconnectivity with the goods market. Uh, I'm sorry, the overseas goods market. And then the in the city and around the town goods market of olive oil, wine, and silver. So they interact very closely. And then when another card comes into the out-of-goods market, it will jack up something on the in-town market. So anyway, this is something I didn't quite jack understand. Jack up meaning make it more yeah, valuable. Yeah, make it more valuable, yeah. Not like just totally mess <laughs> just it totally up. Totally mess it up. <laughs> Jacks it up. So anyway, this is something that I didn't understand very well, the interplay with, because like I said, I, I really thought a more... like Here's a tip for introing this game too. I think... This game was worth a more quieter surrounding playthrough. It was really fun to consider a lot of the options that Ragusa allows you to have, but we're kind of going back and forth with this too, because when the night we played it, we played Victorian Masterminds right before, which is a fast-paced Euro-style game as well, but it's a little lighter, and there's more... In your turns, more seems to happen, or there's more like uh, activity and speed to the game. And it feels like there's less pressure here as because the turns uh, here are very like slow build, slow build, and then it starts picking up, but it's a slow kind of, like I was saying, kind of an even, even kill game. So I wondered if, if it would have been better to do that one first, but you made the good point too about this is sometimes it's hard to start with the heavier game. You want to warm up with a lighter game. And so it's like, <laughs> throw your, throw your, <laughs> throw yourself at the wall of this hard game. And then you're just really thinking hard and, and trying to yeah, and figure it out. Rigo, so would anyone have been like, you know what? I want to <laughs> learn a new game. Let's do another year. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so, so I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that would have been, Ragusa would have been good to start the evening with 
And then after Ragusa, play something we all knew. Yeah. You know, settle back down with some sushi roll or, yeah. you know, something something that just doesn't take that much brain power. And that was my fault. I was excited. I bought them both at the same time. <laughs> um, I'd really wanted to play Victorian Mastermind because uh, Corey uh, and Alora had, had recommended it so, yes, so thank, strongly. Thank you, Corey. That was a great one, too. Yes. It was such a fun game. And um and really really enjoyed it. Like I've played that one a whole bunch since then. But um yeah, my introduction of Ragusa probably wasn't. And, and and I also feel like I didn't have as firm a grasp on all of the rules enough to be able to teach it properly. Sure. So I felt like I I, I do feel like a lot of the blame is on me for not introing the game um probably the way that it should have been okay uh and i definitely we are gonna do uh in the future an episode on our thoughts on teaching games yeah and we're also gonna have uh a guest on aaron who does teaches things for a living he's become so, our he's become yes. our go-to rules explainer as bill and i have somehow gotten worse over the years i feel like i used to be okay at it yeah and now i they're like hey how do you play this game i'm like okay you do this and then i get excited about something else and i talk about that and then i talk about that yeah <laughs> so anyway there's an art to it for sure for, for absolutely and we will that will be something we'll definitely bring up soon uh on a future episode because i really want to get into that um but yeah i think that was a big downfall to ragusa and that's totally on me uh, but I, I do feel I do feel good that uh, yeah. that I was able to redeem it because um, and and now I'm curious to see uh, with Jamaica I think is going to be the next one. Yes, so Jamaica is a little different. Jamaica is a, a racing game, so clearly we're not going to be playing it just the two of us. I don't even think it plays just two. Two player racing games are <laughs> it's terrible. Kind of, it's very rarely hits it out of the park. Does well at all. So my ideal setup is at game nights with uh, hopefully at least a full complement if not close uh to and um and uh yeah that's that's what i how i want to introduce this so so we're hopefully gonna do that next week and we'll get to you guys about that but like i said so my, my if i'm gonna sum it up i would say i loved i really enjoyed this at two i thought the powerhouses had a fun and exciting element that i felt was missing in the higher player counts and i'd really like to experiment introducing them in some way into the higher player counts to see if they can function still within the game and not break it i if uh, this game gets brought again i definitely play it but i'd be more interested in playing it at a two or three player count i'd play four now that I know I'm more familiar with the rule system, but I just feel like as as higher as the higher player counts go with Ragusa, the more claustrophobic and limiting it le- it feels to me at least. So yeah, and I think I think a key with four players, four or five players would be to pick a strategy that no one else is doing. I feel this is a lot like Zolkin, sure. in that if I'm playing Zolkin and I'm going for skulls, if nobody else goes for skulls, I'll win that game. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if one other person starts going for skulls, I need to find another path. Yeah. Because it's it's one of those things where, where two two or more players can't go the same route. So uh, I feel like with four, you need to kind of establish early on, okay, what does, well, what does it look like everyone else is going for? I'm going to go a different route because maybe they'll get in each other's way. Because especially if they don't know the game real well, you know, it's their first time playing or second time playing, they're going to go the most obvious route. Yeah. So maybe that's when you run around with the fish, the yeah. miraculous fish, <laughs> fish I, I recommend the fish strategy to try it out. It worked and, uh, I, I'm going to try that next time unless you try it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, but, but yeah, I feel like if, if you were to do the same strategy as another person, uh, you guys would 
just kick yourselves out of contention. And yeah. whoever was doing the unique strategy would win that game. Yeah. I want to try if you can just become like a silver overlord, if that's even viable. It's so hard to get. I don't think it'd be possible. You have to do a lot of I other things. I kind of silver overlorded in yeah. this one. Yeah, I mean, you, you did pretty and then well. I, had, I think I had three or four silver ore, and then I had uh, three houses and a powerhouse on the uh, the the uh, silversmith. Yeah. So I had a ton of silver. Uh, it's, I just don't know what it does for you, really, because well, it... I mean, it allowed yeah. me to, to complete with the cathedral, allowed me to do uh, sure, sets. Sure, yeah. You could but, big payouts towards the end, potentially. But that's the other thing, too, is I... I mean, I think it's probably well designed with the... How the game is currently. But um, kind of one of the other things I was saying that about this game being even keel is the value system as the market shifts for the three goods that you can make, silver, wine, and oil. Um, a lot of times they're they're shifting constantly, but, but a lot of the times they're just shifting constantly between the same number. <laughs> and so, yeah. like, so I feel like for silver to be a viable like big strategy it would have to be easier to boost it up i I don't think we ever even in the four player game got it close to the end of the track like Mm -hmm. it it maybe was one more valuable than it was um yeah it's pretty much always going to be one two or three i've never seen it get higher than three and even any of the values of any of them uh hitting three is not super common like i think right, it happened yeah. one one thing hit i think wine hit three in our game that was it yeah uh, and i think oil hit three in the the four player game yeah. that we played so it's not even even then it might get to three but it's not going to get to five it's got a max of five i believe yeah, yeah but uh right. you're never going to get there it's just not gonna happen for uh, unless somebody really really hits the ships really hard and it just happens that uh this the same commodity just keeps going blasted up yeah so which i don't necessarily see happening yeah i mean yeah even in a four-player game there's a lot of stuff being bought but it's still because every time you buy a ship something drops too so yeah so or you buy a a shipped good yeah um anyway sometimes too you be like, okay, uh, wine's going down one. Flip the next card. Up, oh, wine's going up one. So it yeah, just stayed where just it was. Stayed where it was. Like literally yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. Um, and I, I get it. I get why. And it's and it's a I get the balance system because it can't be too crazy because otherwise people someone who's selling constantly or just like making wine and selling it and wine's really expensive they're just going to churn out tons of points. But it, once again, it just sort of feels like man, I wish this was more fun to engage with the market. I wish the mar- or that value market of the goods in the town were a little bit more exciting but once being said there's a lot of other options to explore in this game to um follow your interests so uh, i feel like one thing i would change i know you'd you'd add the uh the powerhouses to to larger player games uh large player counts what i one thing i would probably want to experiment with is uh having some sort of value at the end of the game for commodities that you've made Okay. Like if I'm silversmithing oh, right. and going yeah. this and I've got 10 totally s- silver bars uh, at the end of the game, literally they do nothing. Right. Just throw so them like, away. Wouldn't it be nice if you could get like one point for, for commodities that you had left over? It doesn't compensate you appropriately for, you know, in game, you know, what you gave up to get them. But at the same time, it gives you something. Yeah. So yeah. that if you really do go hard on commodities, maybe that becomes a viable strategy. If you can max out all three, that's 30 points. Right, right. I mean, that's exactly. that's yeah. as, as much as I got on you know, I got uh, 28 on the cathedral. Right. You know, and that's a that's a big strategy. No one's ever going to max out 10 10 and 10. Um, but I mean that would at least give that avenue a viable Yeah. uh way to to 
uh, an alternate path, if you will. So, um, yeah, that, I, that's I agree. That's something that, I would change. I agree too. I would do that too. Cause that feels disappointing. Like it's like, I have all it's this very wine underpowered. and it's like, what's yeah. like, yeah. Okay. Maybe I overshot with wine, but at the same time I, you know, I don't know. It's I there and I made it and I did it. work for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'd agree. That'd be, that'd be interesting to try to incorporate as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is, like I said, another caveat or another guideline I would say for entering this game is is a, a setting where people can focus on it and then teach it maybe with lower player counts. Uh, I would probably only want to play with lower player counts, but even teaching it starting with lower player counts because of the fact that there are some rules. Like I said, there's a logic of some of these rules are sort of surprising. Like it's it's unexpected. Like for fish uh, or for every other uh, element you have like rock or wood, grapes or, or olives. Once you have a house placed on a hex, you have that resource for the rest of the game. You have grapes, um, however many grapes you have, that's how many grapes you have uh, for the rest of the game. So that's when you press grapes into wine, that's how many you're going to have. With fish, it's a little different because you can spend fish. You do have a tracker for fish, but fish you can spend like currency to permanently boost up your stats. And then the fish stat goes down however many fish you spent. So you have to now replace at new fishing spots to get more fish. And that makes the fish strategy a little harder, which I think would without that it would make it overpowered. But it's unexpected if you're not realizing that fish when fish is spent, it's gone for good. It plays differently than yeah, everything. It plays else. totally differently. Yeah. And then same with like the market of the uh, the goods that are coming in on boats, and then the market of selling goods. It's just different. So it's like there's a lot of just little differences in each element of the game that need to be clarified and clear before you jump into this game so you can actually enjoy it there's just a lot more here than you expect so anyway that is our turnaround and uh was it uh change my mind on Ragusa? My mind. mind changed for two and three players <laughs> bill wins mostly oh no are we is it gonna be a competition <laughs> oh dear a new element in the mix uh, all right, so that's uh, we're gonna try to get Jam- uh, Jamaica played next week, and we'll come at you guys with that one. I'm really excited to uh, uh, do that. I think we're both pretty excited just to try it out, at least. And, I am. I and am. Take a crack at it. I- I'd like to to take another look uh, at it with with fresh eyes. Yes. It, it just. I think. I think my biggest issue is it wasn't what I thought it would be going into it, and when once I kind of feel like this is not what I thought it would be, I just sort of check out. <laughs> And so, <laughs> yeah. so I think now having a different expectation, same, same to you with Ragusa, uh, I have different expectation going in and I think I feel like, um, I thought Jamaica would be, um, more gamery sure. and it's, it's just lighter yeah. than, than I thought it would be. And so I'm, I, I didn't brace myself for the lightness that it was and for a heavy game, it's awful. <laughs> I will agree with that. Yeah, it's not, it's not a lot of, not a huge depth to it. But yeah. uh, and also it makes like a lot of uh, board game uh, review people's like top ten list. And so it's sort of weird because it looks like there's a lot of design elements to it. It looks like it's more complicated than it probably is. So I, I totally understand that where you're like, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I just need to, to approach it with fresh eyes, and I, I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully next week we will uh, we'll be able to blast one that one out to you. Nice. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you want to reach out to us or show us, uh, I'd re- we'd love to hear like what games that really fell flat for you guys, or you were surprised that you didn't like, or someone else didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know because we'd love to continue this series, and maybe we can have some guests on to go through their experiences and uh, try to convince them or have them convince us that other games are better than we thought 
they were or uh, redeemable in some way. So to do that, you can reach out to us a few different ways. You can reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Roasted Games One. You can go to our uh, let's see, you can go to our podcast page, easedrop.com, and go to the Roasted Games uh, comment form. You can also go to uh, roastedgamesco at gmail.com and our f- uh, website, which is roasted.games. And, Look uh, for us on Facebook. Facebook as well. Just, I, always, I don't know why yep. I always forget Facebook. One just search for biggest Roast- platforms out there. I always yeah, forget just it. Just search for Roasted Games. There you go. Um, yeah, and we will, uh, we will definitely respond to any feedback on any platforms. So hit All us right. up. Hit us up. All right. Thank you, guys, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye.